0: All right, soldiers. Uh, This is another of those episodes that we were looking forward to. Um, We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about Black romantic love. So,
1: okay, we can stop.
2: (laughs) Bruh. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) were you, are you laughing uh, at the next sentence? Yes. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought. Because I've
0: read it a million times. I've read it a million times. It's not that I'm not familiar with it. It's just it's the first time I'm hearing myself going to say it. Say it yeah. <laughs> okay, soldiers. This is another of those episodes that we're looking forward to. Uh, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about black romantic love.
1: <laughs> 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 oh
0: Lord.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is going in the blooper reel.
1: Yeah, say, yep. This <laughs> is
3: for real. About to fall on the floor right now. <laughs> who knew that i was a comedy writer oh my gosh uh i don't i do not know why i can't say it (laughs) lord he's busting a gut y'all
2: oh my goodness about to pop a stitch (sighs) oh
3: lord (laughs) he's done (laughs) i might be done he he has officially gone to the zoo (laughs) Okay, let me see if I can, so I can get through it. <laughs> no, what are you doing? <laughs> so, Justine, if somebody has the giggles, you can yeah. say any random word and they still bust out laughing. <laughs> uh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, clearly I can see that. Uh, okay, all
3: right.
2: <sighs> <sighs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> What is this? Did someone spray you with laughing gas? I'm going to take
3: a bite while he gets himself together. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) You might be able to finish your whole dinner.
0: This is one of those episodes we were looking forward to. Um, We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about about black
1: romance. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) He can't do it.
3: I can't do it. I cannot do it. You want to try one more time, or you want me to do it? Do it. No, you somebody else. It. It. Greetings and what's good, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad, I'm Andres Amador,
2: and I'm Justina King.
3: And we are just three POC in the cornfield, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. Okay,
0: soldiers, this is another one of those episodes that we were looking forward to. Uh, We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about Black romantic love. So what is the result of romantic love? Children. So this episode is all about Black parenting. Parenting styles are one of those things that are most different across cultures. So if you've ever wondered about questions like, why do white parents let their children talk to them in any kind of way? Or what is this fascination that black parents have with women? Or why do Japanese parents seem so strict compared to Latino parents? We have a great show for you. All right. So Justine um, and Abdul, um, what are some of the things that uh, you would like to see covered in this episode?
2: Okay, I'll go first. You know, so soldiers, as we were curating this series, this summer series on Black love, we did this with a vision of shedding light on different aspects of Blackness and the Black experience that people from other cultures often do not know or they don't understand. So I'm hoping that in today's topic, we can talk about how racism sometimes complicates Black parenting, right? Because Ultimately, the lived experiences of children of color, especially Black children, are different from uh, children of other cultures. Uh, secondly, I'm also hoping that we can address a few of the very common stereotypes that people have about Black parents. So those mm. are going to be my two things that I'm hoping we touch on today.
3: Yeah. Um, and for me, I think there's, there are those things for sure. And then I think, you know, uh, just given some basic education on different parenting styles because I, because I even feel like some people don't really know or understand that there are, you know, according to psychologists and whatnot, different, like kind of some different recognized parenting styles. So we're going to go over uh, those hopefully. And yeah, I I'm looking forward to this conversation about whoopens and Just, you know, I'd love to hear your, like you guys' perspective on that. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because I know we've mentioned sometimes like that all of us got them Mm -hmm. and then there's some other things around that, but yeah, there's, there's black parenting. You can't talk about black parenting without talking about whoopings, but the whole episode will not be about whoopings. Right. And, and for me, um, it's the whole
0: idea of, of, I mean, we've mentioned this epigenetics and what that effect has on our parenting. Mm. So Abdul and I with having that um, um, that history, because you know there were slaves in Puerto Rico and and there was obviously slaves in here in the states, how did that how does that legacy come to us as parents? Is there anything to that? I, I think there is, but we can hopefully discuss um, more about that. But starting us off, you mentioned this before, you started talking about the parenting style. So I think, Abdul, let's just start talking about the different parenting styles.
3: Yeah, for sure. So short version is that there are, let's say there are four kind of generally recognized parenting styles. So there are, um, there's authoritarian parenting, there's authoritative parenting, there's permissive parenting, and then there's, uh, let's call them uninvolved parenting. So th- those are kind of the four major types. And, like I've said on previous episodes, I spent a lot of my time, my career as a social worker and doing child welfare and whatnot. Well, part of that career was also as a parent educator, and so you know worked with parents in these different styles. and so, I'll just give just a really short primer on the difference of those styles, and then I think we might even have a discussion among among us with like about the pros and cons so here's some. Things about authoritarian parents. So, authoritarian parents um, believe their kids should be seen and not heard. Authoritarian parents tend to have more of a "my way or the highway" kind of attitude, or "because I said so" kind of attitude. Instead of providing their their children with like rationales and those kind of things. Um, generally speaking, authoritarian parenting and parents don't really take their child's feelings into consideration. Really, what authoritarian parents want is compliance over comprehension. You know, I'm not really concerned about your understanding. You need to do what I told you to. Um, And then also authoritarian parents prefer obedience, but aren't really concerned about negotiation and that kind of thing. So that's the basic of authoritarian parents. Now, authoritarian or authoritative parenting is different than authoritarian parenting. So I just gave authoritarian parenting. Authoritative parenting does put a lot of emphasis on building a positive relationship with a child, but also desires, you know, compliance and and obedience in that regard. But authoritative parents will provide rationales and solicit the kid's opinion and view it as important in some respects. Um, And then also authoritative parents, they do enforce rules and give consequences. But those consequences tend to be natural and logical and, you know, specific uh, to the infraction, so to speak, versus just this blanket, dropping the hammer down kind of thing. And so, um, and authoritative parents do try to take their children's feelings into consideration in the parenting, um, permissive parenting is, you know, so permissive parents, at least on some level, um, kind of want to be authoritative parents, you know, so they want that relationship and they want the kind of the compliance, but what permissive parents do is they set rules, really have trouble following through and enforcing them. And then also, permissive parents tend to give like maybe idle threats, but no real consequences, and um, tend to be very, very inconsistent in setting rules and boundaries and enforcing them and those kind of things. Uh, And then, lastly, uninvolved parenting. Some folks, you know, maybe call it even feral parenting, but um, uninvolved parents really are pretty hands off with uh, the child. And so, you know they may they may give they may give if they give them at all rules and structure and that kind of thing, but then not follow through with them. But most typically, uninvolved parents really kind of step back and um just let the children to some extent be a uh, kind of a law unto themselves, really. So, uh, I've dealt with all types of parents in parent education and you know, seeing strengths or m- m- let call them pros and cons to each, to each thing, but that's the four basic parenting styles. So
0: as you're going through this list, the one that I was raised with and the one that I relate with um, is the authoritarian. Okay. Um, hmm. That's what I've, what I've known and I started out my parenting that way. That's what I, that's what I, if, let me say it this way. That's what I thought parenting was. Oh, wow. You know, that you're going to listen to me and you're going to obey mm-hmm. and that's it. There's no, you don't answer back. So, so I have my, my soon to be 17 year old now, and I have, you know, uh, soon to be six and five year old. I want to be better with my, six and five-year-old that I was with my 17-year-old. Because um, that's what I thought, par- like I said, that's what I thought parenting was. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, let's see, authoritative parenting, that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me, let me back up a little bit. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts of, on the pro of authoritarian parenting. Okay. I, I just, I don't see the pro in it. Okay. And and it could be, I'm just, it's just a blind spot, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm very, very curious about that. But anyway, um, permissive, I, I think you, you started talking about this, that the pros is that, yeah, you want to be loving, right? Um, but the obvious con is just the lack of guidelines and the rules. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I think, I think this is the danger when you want to be an a, a authoritative parent. I think you can really swing the other way and you just land in, permissive and finally with uninvolved I, i'm thinking that there's got to be there was kind of be something that happened in there uh that is causing you to do this you know mm-hmm. if you're in a depression you could be uninvolved if there's some kind of other thing happening in your environment you know
2: like divorce something.
0: yeah something so in, in doing a little bit of the research in this you know i was thinking about like thinking about calling it like it's just blind parenting in the sense that. Something else is happening, something is blocking you to be involved um in it, yeah something 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 that you're not seeing something that you probably need to talk to a therapist about uh because no parent wants this for the children, right mm-hmm. so there's got to be something that's blocking them from being involved now obviously there's no excuse for it, um but maybe before you before the the criticism, if there's any, you know let's make sure that we know what. What we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. um, What about you, Justine?
2: Mm, You know, I'm kind of on the same page as you are, Andres. I don't see any pros from the authoritarian version of parenting. And I, so I found a very good resource. And this resource kind of breaks down the style of parenting, then the impact that that style has on children. Mm -hmm. And for authoritarian, it said, children who grew up in authoritarian homes associate obedience and success with love. We mm-hmm. display more aggressive behavior outside the home. They are fearful or overly shy around others. They have a lower self-esteem because again, like you've grown up in a very controlling household um, and you've probably been shamed a lot growing up and that can result in children having low self-esteem. They have difficulty in social situations due to a lack of social competence. They conform easily. They also suffer. They're sorry. They're also most likely to suffer from depression and anxiety mm-hmm. because authoritarian parents ex- expect absolute obedience. And Abdul talked about this. Children raised in such settings are typically very good at following rules. However, they may lack self-discipline.
3: Hmm. Yeah. 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 And so for me, so I and and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but we'll talk about my kind of upbringings vis-a-vis this conversation then shortly, but for me as a parent, um, I'm an authoritative parent with authoritarian tendencies. <laughs> now, I can see that. so Andres, you mentioned just, um, you know, what, what was the other name that you talked about for uninvolved parents? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I was mentioning that
0: um, like blind parenting, that there was something They don't even see
3: themselves. Right. Right. So my thought is to some extent, all of these are autopilot parenting, Mm. you know, because generally speaking, parenting is informed by what we see. And so typically, obviously what we see is what we grew up with first. And then maybe other examples and other models of parenting for us. Right. And so for me, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm an authoritative parent in that I believe in rules and structure and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, um, And, and I also believe in, you know, the, the the relationship with the child, but then I have authoritarian tendencies because one of my parents was one way. Another parent was the other way. And so I, I personally, and I, and I've seen this in in, in my career, I personally don't think any parent is one way. Mm Yeah. Right. So there, there, there's a primary or a dominant one, but then they veer to one side or another, right? Um, and so I think that, for example, children learn the boundaries of authority, or children should learn the boundaries of authority before they learn the values of autonomy.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, because if you don't, if you do it backwards, then the child becomes a law unto themselves, and right. they don't listen to anyone. And you know, I honestly believe this is like the primary problem of a lot of kids today in, in, in schools and whatnot. That yeah. children learn autonomy before they learn authority yeah. and so what I would say so let's say some pros and cons right to authoritarian parenting. So um, the pros that I can see is that kids learn obedience they learn they learn authority they learn hierarchy um, it teaches children how to follow rules uh, and it can possibly teach children to make better and arguably safer decisions don't go there because that's bad. You don't have to know why. I said, don't go there. So don't do it. Now, on the other hand, on on the other side of that, um, and so, and, and and I would say I've seen again, both in my own life and in my career. And I was a family teacher with kids living in my home, (laughs) you know, implementing a behavioral skills program for years. Um, so eight to 10 kids living in our home, testing all this stuff out. So, um, uh, the model we worked with was was an authoritative parenting model. There was rules, there was structure, there was consequences, but there was also relationship and there was also rationales and there was also, you know, the consequences were natural and logical. One of the big differences between authoritative parenting and authoritarian parenting is authoritarian parenting has punishments. Mm-hmm. Authoritative parenting has consequences. Mm-hmm.
2: And discipline, yeah.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. So they both have discipline, but but punishment Mm -hmm. is a kind of discipline.
2: Mm.
3: Right? But punishment is punishment is always coming from the person who's doling it out.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right.
3: So if I'm punishing, it's about me. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: If I'm issuing consequences, it's about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You did this. There's a teaching interaction where you learn this this infraction was not appropriate. You learn the rationale why. You learn a replacement Mm -hmm. skill. And Here's the consequence for that transaction or, 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 or for that transgression, mm-hmm. right? That's the big difference. It's about the recipient and, and the learning opportunity versus just the punishment. So then the cons, just think you mentioned them already. And you know, so they don't learn problem solving skills. They don't learn autonomy. They can't learn critical thinking, right? One of the biggest cons of authoritarian parenting is you damage the relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. You yeah you do you just damage you know, um, and I've seen children of authoritarian parents go one of both ways. One you have I'm gonna call it the performer, yeah. where hmm. they externally they they do everything right, they follow all the rules, they whatever, and then you have the kiddo who shuts down mm-hmm. as a result as a result of the oppression of the authoritarian parenting. So yeah. kids can go both ways in that.
2: Yeah yeah. Very good. And actually, you know, Abdul, as you were talking about the relationship, it made me think for those of us that are believers, you know, like if you are a Christ follower and you maybe grew up with an authoritarian dad, that can actually impact how you view God. Right. Um, and yes. there are people who think of God as, you know, he he has all these rules. I have to follow them. The and rules, it's, yep. it's Right. You know, and like it becomes this religious fear driven relationship versus hey, I am here to love you. I am here to care for Mm -hmm. you. I am here to protect you and keep you safe. However, if you do choose to independently make wrong decisions, there will be consequences. So um, I think, again, like we need to be able to challenge how the parenting styles that we grew up seeing can sometimes impact how we see the world and how Mm -hmm. we view God.
3: Right, right. Well, and then so... Let's say you know, I think in that we talk about the pros and cons of authoritative parenting too, but one of the big cons or one of the big pros of let's say authoritative parenting is then you teach you teach children self regulation, mm-hmm. and kids are more they're more comfortable expressing themselves
2: mm-hmm.
3: right yeah, and
2: they're able to think independently, yeah
3: yes, and um, I think a con um and maybe it's a con, uh, arguably I don't know, but um. Like I mentioned before, kids learn autonomy over authority mm-hmm. and then develop an unhealthy view of self-governance.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: it's not appropriate for people to be allowed to themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And Absolutely. so, and so if you have if you have a parent who was more authoritative and borderlining on being permissive, you're gonna teach that kiddo their self-determination and their self-governance and their right to have everything heard and explained to them before they learn, wait a minute, there is a hierarchy. There is an authority. There is a structure. There is an order. And some of that is for your benefit and should be followed. You should respect teachers. You should respect parents. You should not talk back to adults. You should Mm -hmm. not. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably that on, on the permissive side and, and, Maybe more in the, also on the uh, um, autonomy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: is that perhaps for the parent that wasn't given to them as a child, right? Right. So now they're putting autonomy first before mm-hmm. the authority because there was so much authority.
2: Authority, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, in like finding life. that good balance. But the one part of them was just stunted. Mm. You know, their autonomy right. was also stunted. So now it's like, oh no, I'm not going to. Because we all do it. We all do it as parents. We all say, "What was deprived of me? I'm not going to do that to my kid." Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if if I was under an authoritarian, I'm going to go 180
3: degrees and just maybe permissive. just be permissive.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know? Yeah. And you can see that generationally. Like like think about um, let's say the boomers to the the or the the. The um, Greatest Generation, the World War II generation, to the Boomers, to the Gen Zers, to then the Millennials and Genials, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the Boomers reacted in their parenting to their parents, most often Depression era parents, and that kind of thing, right? Um, and so they were much more of a freer generation, so to speak. And you know, then the gen, the, 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 the Gen Xers came in, and the Gen Xers had some of the traits of the great generation and and the hard work ethic and that kind of stuff, but also some of the freedom of the boomers before them. Mm -hmm. And I would argue some of the freedom of the boomers in, or of the Gen Xers impacted the millennials and the Xennials because Mm -hmm. that's when, and I know a lot of my, my friends who are parents don't like me when I go here and say this, but that's where that it was with our kids that, that everyone gets a trophy culture. Right. you know and 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 no so and and maybe and so this is maybe the authoritarian parent. i I don't know but life has winners (laughs) and losers the way that you learn how to deal with failure and defeat is you have to lose you don't get a trophy for showing up winners get the trophies like hot (laughs) guy now
2: (laughs) <laughs> Yo, I'm just, I'm just shocked because this, this conversation would never happen in the continent of Africa. Okay, like, in oh, my, oh, no, speak seriously. about that, yeah, yeah, break that yeah, yeah, down. Seriously. So, like, in my, in my, um, in my culture, okay, I'm gonna speak specifically for Kenya, but this could probably apply to every sub-Saharan country. In my culture, we are taught um, work ethic. We are taught to respect your elders. Actually, growing up, my parents distinctively told me. Anyone who is 20 years or older is either your aunt, your uncle, Mr., Mrs., Sir, or something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. You do not call people who are older than you with their first name. Respect. Right. Authority. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. so, goodness, like, just, I mean, just the culture shock. Sometimes I see how, how kids talk to their parents here. I'm like,
1: Yo. I mean, in
2: Country in my country, your mother would slap you into another planet. Like, if you dared, I'm just saying, like, she really would. And so I also think um, part of, <laughs> part of maybe part of the difficulty in being an immigrant is figuring out how to parent your child in this very different culture, mm. knowing that the expectations of your child are different and the expectations of you as a parent are also different, you know? Listen, <laughs> if
3: I wish I would have called an adult by their first name when I was growing up,
1: hmm.
3: and 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 I do think that's a cultural slash racial difference. Mm-hmm. That is, and, yeah. and, and and we'll get to those differences here shortly. But when I first heard like white kids, because I didn't hear from black kids when I <laughs> when I heard white kids <laughs> call grown, grown ups by their first name, you're like we, what? what the? Or when, when I heard a white kid argue with their parents.
2: Oh, my God.
3: I would be a hieroglyphic in the wall, like Mm. be like walk like an Egyptian (laughs) up in this mug, you know, Mm. but I do agree with you, Justine. So, you know, I worked I worked with a lot of immigrant families mm -hmm. um, and and they were they were African, they were Bosnian, they were they were Latino. They were all over the place. And one of those parenting differences was, let's say, supervision. Oh yeah right? So in the United States, it's considered child abuse to not have a certain level of supervision of your kids. Mm -hmm. So mom, so if you have, let's say this happened a lot with the Sudanese families that I work with, but it wasn't limited to Sudanese families. Mm -hmm. If they lived in an apartment building or apartment complex where there were other Sudanese families, mom or dad goes to work the kids are hanging out just by themselves or whatever, but the, under, or the expectation, understanding is somebody's got an eye on those kids at some point.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's the whole takes a village thing. Someone's, yeah. someone's looking out, you know, and then someone who doesn't understand that culture, they then call child services. Yeah. A social worker shows up and says, hey, you can't do that. And oh, by the way, depending on the racial bias of the social worker, I'm going to remove your kid before supervision because that's child abuse. Mm-hmm. and you get, you get that a whole, a whole different thing yeah. but it certainly is true that immigrant families have to figure out how to negotiate what the rules are yeah. for mm-hmm. child rearing and parenting when they come to the stage that's a real true thing
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
3: it's very interesting um, back to the thing about uh, the kids
0: calling the adults by their first name in uh, Puerto Rico when we were growing up um, we, we did call them by the first name but there was a the Don, Don something. Yeah. Or Doña. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my mom, her name is Soraida. So if there was somebody who was 10 or 13 or 14 or whatever, uh, they would call her Doña. Doña mm-hmm. Zoraida. Mm-hmm. That's how
3: you can get away with it. Yes. Well, and for us, it's similar. It's Mr. or Miss. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, my grandmother was Miss Ella to people. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, they yes. call her Miss Freeman mm-hmm. or they can call her Miss Ella,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: don't, okay. but, but don't that's address her right. comment.
2: You don't do. Yeah. You do not. Right. Her name. <laughs> you just you, like, that's yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. very good. Okay. I just want to share like a really quick thing that I love about the authoritative parenting style, because with authoritative parenting, like as a parent, you're getting to set the example. For what you expect from your child, and so Mm -hmm. your child is able to actually model what you're doing, and I think that creates a good symbiosis, you know, like a good exchange. Yeah. Versus with authoritarian, it's like you're just telling them what to do, just telling them what to do. Right. But you're not even explaining why they should do it. Right.
3: Right.
0: Right. That is
2: something that I that I really like about the authoritative style.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And and like I uh, mentioned, like that was that was my my natural tendency as a parent Position, yeah yeah disposition that's the right word mm-hmm. i was like you're just gonna do it because i told you to do it and don't say anything and i don't, don't need to question. explain myself you know what i mean uh, so every once in a while with my 17 year old um, mm-hmm. um i did explain mm. the why okay but it was when he was a little bit older now of course yeah as baby as mm-hmm. a two-year-old you know whatnot. Um I started to explain. Now I also have this this thing where I think is by by the age uh, mm-hmm. you get to do certain things. So I believe from like zero to five mm-hmm. is is yes, I am the authority. And we're not equals. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
2: <laughs> Never. You know,
0: but I, I, want, I want I want to be very intentional about we're not equals. Now, mm-hmm. the thing with me is with my disposition is that it, could get, <laughs> it, it can get into. It going, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it can go a little it sideways. Can go sideways. Yeah. <laughs> it goes sideways and it can be unhealthy. So that's the thing that I need to check. Even with right. my two little ones,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I got to check myself because I think I'm just, I'm naturally bent because that's probably what I saw. Yeah. You know, because in my home, it was my mother and my grandmother.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, my mom went to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was with grandma, abuela. So you got the old school. So I got old school parenting.
3: Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So.
2: Grandmas you know, be wildy. Hey,
3: yes. <laughs> you well, know? It, man. And, and it, w- it was similar <laughs> for me too. So I, you know, I, I have my book, my mom and dad, but it was also very much an extended family thing, you know, with, with my grandmother. You know, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother when I was a kid. And so, um. Yeah. She's from Arkansas. She's an old school, Arkansas, you know, black, black grandma. Yeah, And so there's all of that. Right. But then, so I'm with you, Andres, where that my bent is that way too. And so, but here's the thing for me, it is also that me giving the child a rationale is my choice. Now I will choose to most times, right. Yeah. Just because it's part of the teaching. Right. However, <laughs> when the child feels entitled that they deserve a rationale before they do something and comply, all bets are off. Yeah. I go Arkansas on them. <laughs> 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 I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, here's the thing though. Because no, here's be- a- no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so, so because, because even though I will choose to give you the rationale, I don't always need to give one and you're not always entitled to one. Right and even though I'm not going to come at you like dictatorial kind of thing, still understand that I am the parent and you yeah. are not my Absolutely. peer. You are not my equal. Yeah,
0: you even yeah. if you're growing in equals.
3: my house, we're not equals. Yeah. Th- there's a dynamic here. Yeah. there's a parent and child. I'm the parent. You're the child. Yeah, right. If I say something and I give you a rationale, great. If I, which I again I will do most times, but at the point that I don't. And you look at me sideways, well, you have an option. You can go live somewhere
2: else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, I mean, y'all. Black, black parenting is the same anywhere. I, this, so good. Yeah.
0: That's the thing, though, you know, in, in these conversations and and the more we talk about this, that I, I find it fascinating that the three of us from three different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm have this in common right
2: similar experiences
3: that yeah and and what's that about so here's what i think it's about i'm I'm just going to ask the question let's just jump into it so do y'all think that parents parent differently by race slash ethnicity like do white parents use different parenting styles than say black parents um okay I
0: think I think yes okay um but I want to add something to that conversation though and okay and 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 we're talking about it but let's let's really talk about it uh,
2: let's really not, talk about it yeah let's no but here's go the thing though there.
0: no but here's the thing so the, I was thinking of Abdul and I, and I I don't know how to frame this with you Justine in this context, because what I was saying is, Abdul, how much of our parenting, and this is what I was talking about, epigenetics, how much of our parenting came from what our our ancestors learned in the plantation?
3: Okay, that's that to me is a great question. And I actually did some research like like looking at like academic articles articles and seeing people who've done both qualitative and quantitative research on that question. Hmm.
0: Here's the thing though. So I can't, I can't ask Justine that question because you don't have that, but so so, Yeah. So where does the very, uh, I call it aggressive and I'll put it in air quotes. Where does that come from? Because what I just said, you know, we learned it from the plantation that doesn't come from, it
1: doesn't doesn't
0: apply to Justine, but it's there. So where does that
3: come from? And it's there. So here's the thing. A lot of folks will say, and I personally think they're wrong, but a lot of folks will say that it comes from the the, the plantation, that kind of stuff. I don't think so. I think it comes from the experience of being African and African descendant. Because I think what happened on the plantation was the African cultural practices, which are primarily authoritative and authoritarian, Mm -hmm. came over with us. Mm -hmm. Right,
0: but on the plantation or on our side, there's got to be something when every day you're fearing for your life and then you have a a child. And then there's fear, then you have that fear of what's going to happen to your child when that child grows up and they could be removed. They could be removed at age eight. They could be removed at age seven. What happened if that's, you know, it's a girl? And anyway, let's not go there. You know what I mean? So so you're living with... like in a previous episode or that cortisol in your body and you're
3: doing with that every single day. Yes. And so that, yeah, I do. That part is a survival thing. I I think because so, so let's say in, in, and let's say the modern day equivalent to that would be street smarts. Mm. Right. Mm. So um, like, let me ask you, or both of y'all, you see a black person running. What do you do? You run. You run. Who taught you like, that? Just life. Just
2: it's survival.
3: It's just right. <laughs> Instinct. Right. right. And maybe you learned once, like like maybe someone actively taught you younger, but there's a cortisol stress thing, sociological mm-hmm. thing there, versus my kids don't have street smarts. Mm-hmm. Why is everybody running? Mm-hmm. Fool, you better shut up and follow me. <laughs> 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 Like
1: why are you running dad?
3: Just- yeah. So yeah. so there 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 is some epigenetic things involved in that. I, I really yeah. do think so. And there is that but but the, here's why I mentioned the whole running thing because because enslaved folks, it teach their kids actively some things. Yeah. And if you're running away, let's say you're you're a slave who's running away.
1: Right.
3: Right. And your kids are younger, you have to know if it's and that's mm-hmm. all you get, right? Right. So you don't ask why are we shutting up? That is a
2: up? cultural thing, yeah. Yes.
3: You mm-hmm. don't ask why are we shutting up or why are we are being quiet? All you need to know is right now, I need to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Now, that could have been a life or death thing. So maybe that is right. a vestige of oppression and, and that kind of thing. Right. But um, mm-hmm. But back to the, you know, Justine, <laughs> you know, is- how do we,
0: how do we... <laughs> How do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile that? The three of us still have that in our blood. I mean.
2: Yeah. You know, you know, honestly, and like, this is this is my take, no research backing or anything, but I think <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with what Abdul said. I think it's a cultural thing. And one, okay, there is a book by Tana Hissy Coates. It's called Between huh. the World and Me. Between the World and Me, Yeah. And my absolute favorite quote from that book says, "Black people love their children with a kind of obsession. You are all we have, and you come to us endangered." Mm. Oh God! Wow! Right? <sighs> and so, and so, I do think that part of part of this, Andres, as you were saying, is that as a black parent, when you are raising a black child, you know you know the realities that they're probably going to face down the line. And so you're overly protective and that can feed into your authoritative and or authoritarian um, parenting style. But I also think the other one, though, is just um, like it's honestly just cultural. You know, like I just I just think African communities, African tribes, um, first of all, we we raise children with a very communal perspective, which is why respecting your elders is key. While a lot of other cultures, especially majority culture, people might be more individualistic, you know, like you're mine and that's it. Well, in Africa, it's a very communal type of thing. And also consequences tend to be very communal. And so therefore discipline is, I think a little more heightened. Secondly, in African cultures, um, as a child, you carry the name of your family. Right. So if you are out here in these streets acting a fool, don't make me look embarrassing bad. you're you're making me look bad. And you're making yeah, your whole family look bad, right? right? And so I think that, you know, like that feeds into, into the African perspective on discipline, you know, and why it's so, I don't know, like it's maybe a little more held higher than yeah. in the majority culture per se. So try this on and
3: see if it lands for you guys. While that's true, I do think certain European cultures have that too. Now, whiteness is individualistic. Mm-hmm. Right. Now th- now mm-hmm. there are some European cultures that are that, that are individualistic, right? Mm-hmm. And for example, even in, in research and stuff with this episode, one of the things I learned was that um German culture, like and German parenting was individualistic in some in some similar ways. And, and we'll post some links in the show notes. But um but let's say Italian culture is more communal.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah. French culture is kind of in the middle.
2: Yeah.
0: I wonder right. if it's uh, the romantic languages. Then I wonder about that too. Actually, honestly, because that because you went Italian, French, and
2: right. I don't know that many Lord. Spaniards, but <sighs> yeah, that is true.
0: That may be that may be true for them tr- as well.
2: Right. So maybe they are, uh, I don't know. Okay, y'all, but can I just say something? And I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for the episode. I think even the lenses through which we view parenting are very Eurocentric. And so, by that standard, Black parents will always seem, you know, like they will always be deemed as rougher, tougher, meaner, less relational, because the lenses by which we're viewing parenting. Eurocentric.
0: That's a very good point, actually. I didn't
3: think about that. So like I mentioned, I am uh, an authoritative parent that leans authoritarian. My wife is also an authoritative parent that leans permissive.
1: Mm.
3: Now, she would say that She's not as permissive as I think she is, but, and I certainly know parents who are much more Mm -hmm. permissive than she is, but I would say honestly that sometimes she's permissive in a way that for me is uncomfortable and, 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 and it lends and it lends. Now, this is what I would say. She might say something different, but it lends to kids feeling they have more autonomy when they need to be showing more respect.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh I think for me, um,
0: probably the same probably the same thing. Um, yeah. She might have a completely different opinion about this when she hears it. <laughs> I may get the side eye. <laughs> yeah. One of us is gonna cry in the car. <laughs>
1: um,
0: um, but that's probably the cultural thing. Uh, I think I think in in on this uh topic I think this is where the culture really clash. Yeah. Mm. Um uh because uh, just like we mentioned I mean we were raised a certain way and I think we've established and I'm, I'm I'm really believing that there there is a cultural thing in the parenting in
1: Oh yeah.
0: from people of color or or just african descent um yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to say that for sure. Yeah, because um, I think I think my wife a little bit more permissive than I am, mm-hmm. um, and but I think this is and you hate to say you know like so whiteness we mentioned it was about individuality and I think that's something that comes out in the parenting.
1: Mm.
0: You know, I want your individuality, individual. Oh, <laughs> the duality that. to come out.
3: Right. Yeah, you know I mean? and right. that's really raised
0: above before establishing you as the authority,
3: oh, right? That's you interesting. I mean? And that's the difference because yeah. because yep. I would say I don't think, and I'm pretty sure I, I think Andres is here too. I'm not saying that I don't want my children to be individuals, right? Right. But that individuality and that autonomy should not come first. Right. Because you oh, yeah. can't put that genie back in the bottle. You cannot. That's true. You that's cannot. True. You cannot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because I wonder if gender plays a part in parenting too. How do you I mean? can see, I can see women, mothers, perhaps being a little more permissive. Again, a stereotype, but I think women maybe tend to be more how can I say this? Like social emotional, while maybe men can be more leaning towards logic. Like these are the rules, just follow them. I'll explain later, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe women can be more of like, I want to connect with you. Okay. I'll say this. I was listening to a podcast and the podcast said, men like to bond. Women like to connect.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Meaning that men You know what I mean? And so, like, as, you know, like, as women, because we're seeking connection, Mm -hmm. we're more likely to negotiate with our children and say, oh, honey, you know, like, maybe you should do this because you should. Right. You know, well, maybe men can be more just do it. And maybe later on, you'll understand, you know.
3: Right. And so so I learned it in a similar way. I I learned men relate side by side, i.e. Right. Women Mm -hmm. relate face-to-face, i.e. connecting. Connecting. That's how I learned it too. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, so the negotiation thing, I think, is a great skill to teach kids, and they should have it. Mm -hmm. But I still go back to, you shouldn't be negotiating with a two-year-old.
2: Oh, Um, yeah.
3: Right. The two-year-old doesn't know those boundaries yet. Yep. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And... If you, if you start negotiating with a two-year-old, you will be negotiating with a 15-year-old.
2: Yep. I agree. That's
3: right. You will. You will. And, and I'm saying that not just from my own personal experience of raising kids. I'm saying that as a professional parent educator who has raised kids in, in an authoritative parenting program, mm-hmm. right? That's why the kids came to us.
1: Mhm.
3: Because they had they they learned the skills out of order.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm not saying any of the skills are inappropriate, but I mm-hmm. right. but I will right. say that there there are steps and levels and an order to learn the skills.
2: Yes. And
3: the kids learn the skills out of order. And mm-hmm. if you learn them out of order and you continue to reinforce that, you've it lost. Gonna, yeah. It's gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Y'all, sorry. This is just a quick example that I'm going to share here. Um, I think a lot of times, again, a stereotype, but a lot of times white parents, maybe specifically white women um, tend to use the permissive style of parenting. Um, And this can be more of like, oh, you know what? Like you're my, you know, like I'm your friend before I'm your parent, which sometimes can be a very dangerous place to be because I think that you should be a parent first before Mm -hmm. you're, you know, like trying to be your child's friend. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I had a friend, I had numerous friends and they would jump from relationship to relationship, from toxic relationship to toxic relationship to toxic relationship. And I would ask them, Hey, what does your mom think about this? Like, what is your mom telling you about this? You and your mom are very close. Oh, my mom is okay with it. I'm like, your mom is okay with you jumping from toxic relationship, getting your heart broken, giving so much of yourself, then that failing into another relationship. And then I realized it's because maybe this parent has a hard time parenting their child and saying, you need to stop. Oh, (laughs) what you're doing this, this needs like, this is leading you nowhere (laughs) you know um so anyway that's just one because honey in my home my mom would be like girl girl what (laughs) you doing i will take your phone because (laughs) seriously you know (laughs) so anyway just just a quick example that sends out to me
3: yeah that's good so like okay so here's something that's that's very interesting there was a study in 2000 in
1: 2008 Mm
3: It said that when you control for class and let's say assimilationist values, the differences in parenting styles become smaller. Mm. Simply put, middle-class parents and upper middle-class parents, regardless of ethnicity or race, parent their kids roughly the same.
2: And what style is that? Was it authoritarian? Was it permissive? Or was it, they just say the same?
3: It is permissive and authoritarian somewhere on that continuum. Okay. Um, and, but that's a bit misleading because who was in the research sample? Mm. If you sample oh. middle and upper middle class, you, you get where we're going, right? Uh, yeah. If you sample middle and upper middle class parents across races, they will tend to have more, you know, homogeneous um, social values. And because of those social values, the parenting is informed by some of those social values. Mm -hmm. Now, in a very real way, the economics of this changes perspective. So I haven't personally seen, and I looked for some, much research where, for example, poor families of color were -hmm. included in the research sample, either observationally or through survey research. Mm -hmm. Right? So. So, like, if you do a bigger study, you might find different things. Um, oh, yeah. But and now, because because like I said, I think I said earlier, so much of what I've seen in some of these studies is qualitative and not quantitative.
1: Mm.
3: You know, so um, like, there's for example, there's one done by um, Laroe and Jacob Cheadle and and Pat Armagh. And, and it's, it suggests that what uh, parenting, parents have what, you know what we call like cultural logics to childbearing, right? And those cultural logics are more strongly correlated with class than they are with race.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay? I could see that,
3: yeah. Now, because that's true, again, there are, in, there are some cases where ethnic and racial differences, when they're taken into account show up more significantly that there's more significant variance to put it in a very common way. Black middle-class parents in general still parent their kids different than white middle-class parents. Mm -hmm. According to statistical studies about different parenting styles, when you factor in race. Okay. Okay. So the differences are still there, but they're still smaller because I said earlier that there's not much difference across race if you if 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 you have the same class, but mm-hmm. it's only partially true. Okay? There're still differences, but the differences are smaller if you're middle class and black. But mm-hmm. but but there're still differences. And and they looked and they tried to measure it, they try to factor everything out like, well, wait a minute. What if we look at um participation in things like parent teacher conferences, open houses, uh having kids in sporting events or um the science fair or extracurricular things where they look at, you know, um, what, well, what well, was that parent just absent and didn't, and didn't volunteer at school. They didn't show up at school, didn't go to the PTA conferences. They looked at all of that. And so they tried to compare apples to apples as much as possible.
2: Interesting.
3: Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually.
2: Okay, everyone, it is time for our liner notes. And this is where we get to share a song, a book, a piece of culture, poetry, whatever we're listening to or reading that is given us life. So, Andres, you are first.
0: All right. So, mine is for the culture. Uh-oh. Puerto Be- Rican culture. Okay. Okay. So my- <laughs> um, mine is Miss Rita Moreno.
3: <laughs> the actress and dancer and yep. her.
0: yeah yep. I like her so this weekend uh, as we're recording uh, on Twitter I saw that uh, in Puerto Rico there was a, a premiere of the documentary Rita Moreno just a girl who decided to go for it and in that showing the San Juan mayor gave her the key to the city and named her an adopted daughter of the city because she was, yeah she was born in the town of Juncos in Puerto Rico uh-huh. And, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But then in that Twitter thread, it was mentioned that Ms. Moreno is the only living EGOT who's won all four awards as a performer. No. And not a producer or something like that. Correct. So the EGOT, for those who don't know, it's an um, acronym for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony.
1: Okay. Oh. So
0: she, she is one of three. What? Who's won it as a performer? All her, all her awards were for performance. Like Abdul said, other people had gotten the, the EGOT, EGOT mm-hmm. status, or it's been directing, producing, mm-hmm. writing, and maybe performing. So, for example, John Legend just recently became got the EGOT status mm-hmm. when um, um, he won a um, he won an Emmy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but as a producer. What did he produce? Mm -hmm. Uh, He produced, he was part, uh, he was along with Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, which all three of them got EGOT status by this win, the same win. So uh, they did a Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert. Oh, wow. So, but here's the thing about John Legend. He's the youngest and the first African-American. They got EGOT?
3: Yep. There's only 15. Whoopi got an EGOT too. She did?
2: Yeah, I think Whoopi has an EGOT. Uh,
3: okay, now we
0: have to... Okay, we'll verify and we'll we'll update <laughs> this in the show notes. I can
2: verify yeah. that right now.
0: Can you verify it now? Okay, so I'll just keep going while you're, you're checking, um, Justine. But here's the thing, though. So, so, back to Rita. So, she's 103, right, as a performer. The other mm-hmm. two are Helen Hayes and Audrey Hepburn. Wow. Uh, Rita's... She is an EGOT. She is. Whoopi's an EGOT. So where, okay, so they got this wrong. So my, my information. Somebody is, got it twisted. Somebody really got it twisted. Maybe it's just age and African, anyway. Okay. I don't know. But, yeah. But, anyway. but we'll, we'll, we'll
3: look it up with, this, with the show notes.
0: Yep, and we'll clar- clarify in the show notes. Um, okay, so uh, uh, Rita Moreno, her first win was in 1962. And then she got EGOT status in 1977.
3: She was forty-five years old. So seventy-seven was, um, um, oh, West Side Story, right? You know, I
0: don't know when it came out, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't for West Side Story, though. Okay. Um, well, the thing is, okay, just to wrap it up, to this day, to this day, she's still the third youngest to get the award okay. to get the status, the Snyder Award. Okay. So and she's still working because Steven Spielberg has a reboot of West Side Story coming out. He does. I saw that. And she's in yes, it. And I, you know, and she's producing it or helping to produce. Okay. Like, yeah, I I was, to was, produce yeah, somehow kind of associated stuff. with it. Yeah. Right on. So anyway, so that's okay. my that's my line of notes. Just all right. Proud Puerto Rico. What I didn't know is that she was born on the island. I knew she was I, I thought she had Puerto Rican heritage. I oh. didn't know that she was born on
3: the island. But she thought she was a New Yorican. I did. <laughs> You thought you thought she was a Neoreican. <laughs> All right, how about you, Abdul? Okay, so my what's given me life lately is uh, Mackenzie Thomas. So sh- she, I'm gonna say, she's 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 some girl who's coming for Yeba seat. Mm. Really? Well, she, wait a
0: minute.
3: Listen. Now, you know how I am am about vocalists. She's coming for Yeba's seat. She was on The Voice. um, And again, her name was Mackenzie Thomas. And she has an album called Love Mackenzie, like Love, Mackenzie, like a letter Mm salutation. And she is redoing a bunch of, and kind of really reinterpreting. And this is why I say she's like Yeba. So she's like, she's in that like, She's hit like a Yebba, Jasmine Sullivan kind of voice kind of thing, but she's redoing a bunch of different R&B and, and pop hits. So she redid, for those of you who aren't steeped in deep R&B, this song is going to mean nothing to you. <laughs> but she redid All This Love by DeBarge. Really? And it sounds dope. She redid Stevie Wonder's You and I. Uh. She redid uh, Anthony Hamilton's The Point of It All. What? Yes, sir. She redid The Fire We Make by Lisa Key. She redid a couple of forevers by Chrisette Michelle. Pretty much all oh the ones. Oh my I gosh, Chrisette she she redid cool. four page letter.
0: And okay, first of all, I never heard of her, which is okay, okay I'm not supposed to know everyone, but still.
3: And just, so this is good stuff. I heard about her from my 17 year old son. Oh, he's who, been yeah. who, he's who been. has better musical taste than most adults <laughs> I know. So he sent sure. me a thing at one o'clock in the morning when he should have been asleep, but he sent me a thing at one Seven o'clock in the said, morning, speaking about parenting, right? Boy, what are you doing up at one? O'clock? Right. But <laughs> he, but he's an artist. So he sent me that and True. he's like, he's like, did you listen to it? I'm like, no, I didn't. But I listened to it. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Let's see. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. And then turns out she's, she's blue eyed. soul. she's, she's this white girl. Wow. And the reason why that's important from the States, from the States. She's a white girl from the States who has she's young. mad soul. She's just, she's pretty young, like early twenties, but her soul is like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And Mackenzie Thomas. Okay. This will be checked out. This little girl can go. I may go to bed late tonight. Cause of you. Yeah. This little girl can go. All right.
2: Okay. How about you, Jay? You know, I'm going to flip the script here and talk about Black Girl Magic. Okay, first of all, y'all, Simone Biles. Come on. Have y'all been keeping up with Simone Biles? (laughs) Okay, tell
0: them. Tell them the story. Go ahead. Tell them the story.
2: Yep. Okay. I don't know. Like, I might not know what the story is, but I just, I think she just won the seventh national title, right? And she, oh my goodness, she came up with this new. Is it called a routine or what do so, they call yeah, it? Yeah. Routine. Yeah, and yeah. A new routine. Never before done. And right. I watched the video in slow motion and I was like, what in the world? This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Then I saw a picture of one of her. Oh my goodness. Dance people. You, you're probably cringing right now, but whatever they wear, the clothes they wear, what are they called? Leotards? Yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. okay. We'll go um, with that.
2: One of them. One of them it's had. Is Ballet?
0: you talking about gymnast.
2: Yeah, she's a gymnast. So yeah. I don't know what the, you know, like uh, what their clothing Atlanta. is called. Yeah, a singlet or a onesie. Yeah, there we go. It's <laughs> a singlet. A onesie? <laughs> we're gonna go with that. <laughs> Abdul, onesies is what where are what babies wear. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, <sighs> a singlet or her onesie, as I um, had uh, it had a goat embroidered on it in like Ooh. cute little diamonds, and you know, like she was, she was obviously given, you know, like a little subliminal message, like I she am was. the goat, I'm the goat. Of course, she right. was. I mean, like that it. is just literally so much goodness. Then I watched um the video of her doing. This song by Elton John. Have y'all watched it? And I y'all, it I can, no. guys, I have to send it to you. I'll yeah. drop it in our chat. Um, sorry, in our text thing. But she, she plays the, the bass guitar and she's playing keys and she's singing all at the same time. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. I'm just like, she is amazing. Oh, she's, from,
0: she's from another planet.
2: I mean, she's just she's just awesome. So anyway, those are my two things that I want to Well, the to
0: thing share. is, the, the controversy with her is just that she's making all these moves that nobody else can do.
2: Mm-hmm. Who is this? Simone Biles?
0: Yeah. And then yeah. she's getting penalized for That's it.
2: That's the thing. Yeah. Because she
0: can't perform them because nobody else can do it.
2: So she's oh. not allowed to
0: do, and I don't know all the details, but she's not allowed to do mm. certain things in her routine because- you know, the no excuse is that do. it's too dangerous or whatnot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to endanger other, the other athletes.
1: Okay. But you're like, well,
0: just because okay. y'all I can't do it. You're not in right. danger. I, is,
2: <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: yeah but she's, she's a freak.
2: I mean, she's, wow. she's just fantastic. You know, like every time I ask my, you, sorry, like, like just like every time I see her do her things, I'm like, I wonder what her daily... Habit looks like? You know, like what does her routine, like her daily routine, her discipline, because she's just, she's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love it. Wow. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Let's come back and finish our conversation on Black parenting. So let's shift gears and talk about one of the, here we go, one of the distinctive parenting differences, at least stereotypically among Black people namely the use of corporal punishment, better known as whoopens, <laughs> in the black community and across the diaspora as we've been as we've been talking about. One of the first things I think about when I think about black parenting is the whole spanking thing. I think about when and why did spanking become a thing in homes? And why is it a cultural thing that many of us seem to be proud. So with me, when I was thinking about this, I mean,
1: yeah, this is this is crazy. I had to go get a switch
0: that was going to be used on me, my grandmother. <laughs> so, is it? We laugh, we laugh now, but <laughs> okay, let's be
3: real here, man. That's that's some crazy stuff. My grandmother, I once saw her climb a tree to get a switch to beat me with. <laughs> okay, is why is that funny? That should not be funny. right I am. This is violence. This
0: oh. is this is horrible. Okay, it's,
3: sorry. it's yeah. Oh, she's a up.
0: Oh, your turn. <laughs> See what the people don't know is
1: we okay, have a whole ten minutes. <laughs> okay, sorry. I am. I am...
0: Okay, let me explain while she recovers. Because yeah, go ahead. It's not going to be on the podcast. I am
2: laughing because I'm laughing because first of all, just the idea of a grandma climbing a tree is <laughs> hilarious.
3: <laughs> Listen,
2: she wasn't. Then why was why was the switch in the tree?
3: That's a very good. question. Well, be- okay. <laughs> well, there are switches. Oh, trees. maybe she probably yes. just
2: hit it there.
3: No, no, no. The switch comes from the oh, tree. It's a it's it's a, it's a branch,
0: right? It's a branch. So, so a oh, switch a is switch. a branch,
3: yeah. Oh
1: my
0: and
3: so if depending on the tree, right? If if the branches are close to the bottom, like they're dying off and 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 they're more brittle, and so uh yeah, when you, when you hit somebody, it makes a break. That whoosh. But what that, you need is the is the, the ones one at that the top are, that are still kind of thin wet and, and wet. Oh. Yes, and they. Whoosh, yeah, those they, are the painful wel- ones. Oh my I mean those and they the leave the welts ones. on the body and Ooh. it's and it's Aww. child abuse. And it is child abuse, that's the thing. It is, it is. I mean, there's no there's no other word for it. Yeah, there's not. But but I once saw her, now she didn't like climb up forty feet in a tree or anything, but she was a good six feet off the ground, six seven feet off the ground <laughs> <laughs> to, get, to get this tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I don't need any more laughing fits.
1: I know, I know.
0: So Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to mention about that? Now, see, now I got that image in my head <laughs> of your grandmother.
3: <laughs> i having a treat.
0: Oh, no. Oh. This is why, why, why do we find that funny? Right. I mean, really. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's why other people, in, let's just, in other cultures, <laughs> in quotes, mm. they look at us like, why?
2: Like we're crazy. Yeah. And mean. Right.
0: Why? Yeah. Right. Why are we so harsh with our kids?
2: Yeah. Okay. Now, so-, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I remember. I
0: remember one time that I got. I got hurt, and yeah. I cannot remember if it was my mom or my grandmother.
2: You got but- hurt from being beat?
0: Oh no! No! no. Oh no! No! Okay. Wait! Wait! No! 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 I was just. I was playing, and and I got some type of wound or something. You know what, mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was crying, all that kind of stuff. And I, one of them, I can't remember which one. Just hit me right on the womb. And then said, I told you not to do that. I told you not to do that, right? Oh this that, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. I'm like, what in the world?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I mean, so so how was it for you, Justine?
2: Okay, so uh, I grew up in a Kenyan household. So I grew up being whooped. I mean, like that was and, like in my country, we call it being beat because you are legit uh-huh. fighting for your life. Well, not really, but you know, wow. it's like you're getting beat for real. But
3: you catch the business.
2: You do. You do. But wow. I will say this. I am. Uh, and I feel bad, but I. OK, there is a verse in Proverbs 13, verse 24, <laughs> it says, spare, spare the, the rod, and spoil the child and spoil the child. So, like, I do think I do think that sometimes again like there has got to be healthy consequences for actions but i think in a lot of not all but it but but in a lot of black households when we discipline our children like we're not telling them why you know it's like we're just doing it as a default response you know like you've done this so you know so i do this versus versus as a parent having that self-control and stepping back and saying okay there has got to be consequences for my child's actions, but I also need to, one, they are still a human being, right? So I don't want to do anything that is irrational. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I need to be able to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then what, some, what I've seen some black parents do, they will beat you. Then, right after, tell you, Oh, I love you. Or I love oh, come you. come and yeah. grab dinner. And I think as a child, that can be very confusing mm-hmm. because, again, the message you're giving is not consistent. Yeah. So I think, I think, it, you know, like sometimes the, this is a necessary form of discipline, but I think sometimes the way we go about it is just absolutely horrific. Then I'm going to share a very last example. So I went to boarding school for eight years. And the schools that I went to were very competitive academically. And we would have um, a lot of exams, a lot of tests. And um, if you did not do well on the test, we literally had something called a post-mortem, right? Which is essentially where like all of you, uh, you gather with your teachers and you have to explain why Mm -hmm. you failed the test. And we got beat. And here's the thing. If we had maybe maybe like a math test, um, if the test was out of one hundred points, and you missed forty points, you got forty beatings for all the points that you missed.
3: So oh, like forty lashes.
2: Yes, like forty lashes. Yeah. And it Wait, was, what? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like literally, like looking back on this, I'm like, this was child abuse in the worst, most horrific way, right. and they did this in front of all your classmates and all your teachers. Mm-hmm. So there was shame involved in this. Um, and then if you're like at the very bottom of your class, everyone knows that you're the one, like like you're just a dummy, you know? And so like, not only are you being shamed for not doing well on these tests, you're getting beat in front of people. And it was just absolutely horrific, you know? Um, wow. And ultimately, and here's the thing, ultimately it never really helped us do better. Like we, like, you know, like it really never made a difference in right, how we performed right, anyway. right. Um, well, yeah, yeah.
3: And oh, that's the thing. Like it's, my it, goodness. I think yeah. you're right. It is. It is. Okay. So remember what I said at the beginning of the episode about the difference between consequence and punishment,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? That's just straight punishment. Right.
1: Yeah, And that,
3: and, and that, and that's, that's like mm-hmm. domestic abuse. It's child abuse. It's, it's, so many it's just right. And, right. and we are, so I'm going to say this but, and then I'm going to undermine what I just said, but you'll, you'll get it. But we seem to be the only group of people, ethnic group of people, who somehow think back on that trauma fondly. Yep.
2: You You mean fondly or humorously? Because I think those are two. Yes, yes.
3: Agreed, agreed, humorously. So, because I got spanked. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, dude, I straight up caught the blues. Like my, yeah. so my cousin used to call it the thriller. Oh, <laughs> like, I mean, I just, I straight up caught the business growing up and I never, I never once heard the rationale, for example, that it had anything to do with slavery or anything to do with, you know, because the white man's going to get you if you don't behave and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, But like the, I'm going to call them whoopings, and some of them were beatings, but the handlings I got were legendary in my family. Like Every time my family gets together, if there's a bunch of us, there's at least one Abdullah whoopin story.
2: Oh, my gosh. Is it because you were the eldest? Do you think that's part of it?
3: I don't know what it was. (laughs) I don't know what it was. It was just jacked up as what it was.
2: Because usually the eldest child, I know in my family, mm -hmm. the eldest child, I mean- you are in danger because well, and, at any moment. Yeah.
3: Well, and, and for me, like I wasn't in danger at any moment, but there was, you know, like, you just don't talk back. You talk back, you're going to catch something, right? But Gosh. but honestly, a lot of the weapons I got had to do with academics. Mm. Like if you don't. So I had to come home and do homework. Once homework was done, then it's time to learn.
1: Mm. And, there,
3: and there are times... When I had, was at the table all night, mm. all asleep sleep in my dinner, that. waking up the next morning. Well, before you go to school, you, you need to eat that food.
2: I can believe that. You know? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So, but.
2: Jeez.
3: Like, and so in my house, it wasn't that because of slavery thing. It was more of a, of this Southern cultural thing and an authorita- authoritarian parent thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. You know, it was punishment for something of what I don't really know. It's just what, what you did. Uh, but, but I mean, there are, so it's like this, it's like, um, you know, parents are the authority. What Mm -hmm. they say goes. Mm -hmm. And if a kid gets out of line, they catch a whooping. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And like we talked about before, I wasn't my parents equal. (laughs) You know, I wasn't their buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) even if they did me, even if they did give me an explanation, they certainly didn't have to. Right. Uh, right and i wasn't entitled to any kind of explanation or negotiation or some kind of like natural right to that kind of thing like kids have nowadays mm-hmm. you know um but but yeah i mean there there was yeah we i caught what was abuse it oh, it just yeah. it just was yeah. you know um and so i and so and so I, I want to remove that from the conversation about authoritative parenting and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes. because, because I, because like I said before, I think what's wrong with kids today is that there's too much entitlement.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
3: jokingly, a lot of folks would say, well, you know what? That kid just needs, just needs a good whooping.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. I've said it myself. Ooh, that kid yeah. just a good whooping. straight that kid right out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but no, they don't. Uh, but I do think that that a parent should give their kid a rationale for discipline
1: mm-hmm. because it's good
3: parenting and it helps the child learn and grow and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the second, like I said before, the second you have instilled in the child that they deserve an explanation, oh, you've yeah. lost. <laughs> you've made mm-hmm. them your equal. Yeah. And now they get to they demand from you an explanation, and then some parents give it to them. Whoa! Flag out time on the play, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but, like, and this—that's actually one of the things I don't like about. I'm going to call it unchecked liberalism.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That it seems to, it's it seeks to remove all forms of authority and structure, and says that all that is bad and it's all power and control. No, it's not. No. Now beating your kid, power and control. Right, beating your kid, punishing them without and, and, and not giving teaching and, the, and that kind of stuff, yeah, that's power and control, that's bad, that's violence. Mm-hmm. but teaching your kids structure and authority is not is not power and control. it's not bad, it's not evil. Everything right. can't be egalitarian, and right. actually think that goes against nature
2: exactly <laughs> and that's I how literally- you
0: get mm-hmm. yep, and that's how you get will and Jada's kids.
2: Mm. <laughs> Rock.
3: he's not wrong
2: for real i'm telling you for real
3: and i learned yeah. that not only in not only in black black homes a lot of like you said jesse a lot of christian families spare the rod, spoil the child a lot of that early on yeah, stuff yeah. when our kids were younger you know with the spanking of the kids and that kind of stuff you know they they did that too and so we did it too you know mm-hmm. And, but now we would give our kids like one or two wraps on the butt, but like a dowel or or something like that, you know? Uh, But I mean, it wasn't like off the chain, like (laughs) WWF Smackdown kind of stuff. It wasn't, (laughs) you know? No,
0: but you want to, okay. So maybe this is a bad parenting tip, but I'm going to give it anyway. So what I started doing with my 17 year old and I've done it with the little ones is.
2: Oh my God.
0: No, no, it's, it's going to be Okay. (laughs) While we we're playing a little bit of roughhousing, I was "quote unquote" spanked them. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh. and it's just to show, like, hey, this is what I can do. But it's in a different, complete, different context. Mm. Okay. So we're kind of roughhousing, and you know, and yeah, they get like a good, hints. you know, yeah. Like I would smack them in the butt. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <my laughs> just gosh. to kind of. Yeah. show like hey this is what I can do but right yeah. now we're having some fun well and i mean and i mean not the spanking is fun but it, you know we're, we 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 yeah. are actually we are actually playing yeah. and we are kind of a little bit of
3: roughhousing a little bit yeah. Yeah. well and i wrestle like like with my sons you know and you and, guys actually hit oh we do oh yeah, yeah i've seen it yeah like uh, they yeah, they you throw well, punches and to some extent I, I want i want to test them that way you know, like I, I, I want them to learn how to just, you know, throw a good punch. You know, yeah, but they I've all, seen, I've seen it. Like you guys, but they I'm all like, now, man, now I, I don't, I don't come back and think like they come at me, right? Then I, you know, because yeah. 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 yeah, I still have dad strength. I'll lay him out.
1: Yes, Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw your youngest. You know, like you guys would kind of play fighting, whatever, whatnot. That he just threw a punch at. Yeah, he, like, just, he
3: just goes. Like wait a oh minute, yeah. I'm Like come on, come on. What else you got? What else you got? Right. Anyway. You know, so but but there's, you know, I mean, while we did spank our kids, you know, we didn't give them the thriller like I got. Right. Oh my God. You know, like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, none like, of my yeah. kids have gotten what I yeah. got. Yeah. Because here's the here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Your words should be enough. Yeah. They should be. Your they words should be, should be enough. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think, you know, I think early on, um, a child may need, depending on the temperament. Right? a child may need some physical redirection a, a slap on the hand a pat on the butt right but it is in a situation of you're being under control
1: yes mm.
0: you know, that's what I was
3: going to say at you the second, have to be in control at the second you you're, to be. You're, you're out of control wh- whether it's one wh- one little rap on the hand or something worse you're you're wrong Yep. You're doing right. it wrong. That is, you, you have, to walk, you have onto, to walk away. You have to walk away. Yeah, if you're the one who's out of control, then that's child abuse. Mm-hmm. It is. And
2: then, okay. So here's the other thing that I was thinking about too. I think sometimes, I know in my culture this happens a lot, where um, parents will punish their children because they have a lot of anger and disappointment in them, and mm-hmm. they just want to release that. They want
3: to re- exactly right.
2: And so this child becomes the object of
3: mm-hmm.
2: of all the anger, frustration, yep. stress. Yep. And when you are a child in that situation, first of all, you'll never be right. You won't. You know. Um. So anyway. Now, check and also, out. and
0: also, because you're triggered, you are right. They do something. Oh yes,
1: that you triggers boom. you, mm-hmm. and they you you react. Trigger. To the trigger. Then you
0: react. That happens yes. with me. So the, yes. my, uh, the thing with me is when. I say something and there's uh-huh. no response. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do
2: you ever call your kids and they don't come? That would drive me bonkers. See, that's a, that's,
0: that's, that's yeah. it's a version of that too. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's your, the job art, like, is, like, your job is to listen.
3: <laughs> you right. have to listen to my voice. For me, it's the argument and talking back. Mm. Like, mm. Like, so there's a difference between a discussion and a decision. Yes, <laughs> we can have a discussion. <laughs> yes. But once I issue the decision, the conversation's over. Right, it's just over. Yep. So now, dig this. So I saw a stat, and it was reported on my NBC News. And we'll put again link in the show notes. But they looked at the population of, or the uh, the the percentage of the U.S. population saying that it's right for parents to discipline their kids by by spanking them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, okay. Here's how you can tell what the intent was because they said and I quote it's quote right for parents to discipline their children by striking them okay so the northeast 20% of parents say it's right to discipline physically Midwest 25% the west 27% the south 51% (laughs) (laughs) wow Of course. (laughs) Effectively, every other parent says, "Yes, I think it's right to tap that behind."
1: Yep, yep. So,
3: but but, that is
0: the place where there's still, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir.
2: Exactly.
0: It is. It is. So there's, there's, bingo. There's got to be something to that too.
2: Mm -hmm. Bingo.
3: So, so okay. So, what do you guys think about like other parenting practices where spanking? isn't concerned. So for example, uh, I'll say one thing that for me that I just don't get is this child centered parenting. What do you mean? Like this seems to be for white parents or people who've come to be called white, like being like being child centered, like, um, they put up a more arguing, more negotiating, more concerned with their kids feelings, more, (sighs) more, uh, um, Every, everything in life the schedule everything is about the kid instead of you know in like okay if, if you in some houses, if you're black you're not allowed to have feelings anyway but that is true but but i mean
2: why are we laughing about this i know it's so bad i have a theory i have a theory as to why but anyway you can keep about-
3: why because you gotta laugh at the trauma
2: Yes. I really think that part of it is like that's our way of distancing ourselves and dealing mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. with the reality of what that means. And so we laugh about it because we don't want to face and then sometimes when you when you really love your parents, it you know, like it can be hard to
3: Yeah, yeah. To yeah. To
2: identify the
3: harmful things that they've done. That's yes. a great point. Very, yes. very good point. And yeah, and we certainly as a community certainly have a bunch of Pathology things around around that whole thing that we have to deal with. That's Mm. that's that's a whole different episode. But but I think yeah, the child centered nature of parenting in some homes maybe it's a white thing. I don't know. I'm not gonna say that, but I seem to see it more Mm -hmm. where everything is about is about the child's needs, and I think that's imbalanced and that's inappropriate. Oh
2: yeah, no I. I don't have kids yet, but when I do have kids, they will not be the center of my universe or my family's universe. Will I love my kids with everything that I am? Absolutely. Um, But yeah, just know, you know, and again, like I think children are very malleable and they're very impressionable. And so I think as a child, if you grow up in a family where you're the center that does something to you. Like it makes you feel entitled. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you feel like, Oh, it's my way or the highway. And that's why mm-hmm. we see a lot of younger kids these days who, when they don't get their way, I mean, you will think the world is ending, you know?
3: And that's what I mean by, by like child centric. That's exactly. Yeah. What I mean. yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I think the question a little bit different.
0: Um, Cause where my mind went is, and we already touched on this. So I won't touch. I won't talk too much about it. It's just the communal aspect. So you can call it extended parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, like with you and your wife, you know, like we can trust our kids with you guys Mm -hmm. and that you would parent them. Like we're very secure in how you would parent them. And I think uh, that communal aspect, like we talked about, I think is also a cultural thing. We are, we are a, communal people. Mm-hmm. You know that takes whole that I was just going to say that you know that whole it takes a village. We take that seriously, you know, like I would be playing out in the neighborhood and if one of the other kids, one of my friends' parents saw me doing something, I, you know, they you know, they would just come in and and step in and 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 parent, right? You know. Um and that was fine. That was normal. That was that was expected. So um yeah, that's, that's the way I, I kind of I took that outside of spanking, uh, that's a parenting style, just our sense of community with, mm. with our children.
2: Okay, so listeners, something that we want to talk about um, before we finish up our podcast tonight is cross-racial adoptions because we live in a community and we know quite a few people that have adopted cross-racially. So, Andres and Abdul, um, what are your takes on this and how parenting plays a part in cross-racial adoption?
0: Okay. So, if it's your first child, mm. I, I would not recommend it. Um, hmm. Unless you've done a ridiculous amount of work on yourself and the ethnicity of the child. Okay? <laughs> yeah. um. So this is not the time for the, I don't see color people to raise their hands.
3: Yeah. Keep me hands Uh,
0: down. Yeah. This, if you're an, I don't see color person, then this is, this is not for you. And, uh, and that's a whole podcast of its own. Um, now don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay. If you have adopted a child of color and you're white, let's just use that example. Uh, think about how much of your world is white already and you have to find a way to expose your child to people that look more like that child and you have to make a make a conscious effort um of it so yeah i'll just i'll just keep it i'll just mm. I, well one more thing you know i know people we know people that have done this yeah. And we do. I know I I know that they love their children with all their heart. Those adopted children. We know people who have adopted and they have their own biological children. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um it is not a knock. Okay. Yeah. So if if someone is coming to me, say, Hey Andres, we're thinking of doing this, this is what I would say. So that's the context of my my response. Um, just cause, I mean, we live in a racialized society. Yeah. Okay. The last thing you want to experience is your child. The last thing you want to see is your child being mistreated because of race. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if you've been quiet about race in the past and now you're seeing it firsthand, you know, cause one thing is to see racism on, t- on, on television.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Another thing is to see it live and it live in color. Through your child.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, you know, and Andres, just, just to add to that, it would be a very crushing experience for your child to experience the quote unquote racism in your own home. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And here's a good, okay. First of all, I, I will say this, that I think in some places, sadly in some churches, cross-racial adoptions have been fetishized sometimes (laughs) it seems like it's a whole enterprise
3: don't get me you know like
2: it's kind of like this thing where like you have people who are raising a bunch of money because they want to adopt kids but and but as andre said you've not done the work and sometimes you don't even know why you want to adopt you know um here's one one analogy that i heard that was really really good if you are looking to adopt a child from a different ethnicity or from a different culture, uh, get a bunch of marbles and try to make sure that all these marbles are different colors. So get maybe like 20 white marbles, 20 black marbles, 30 green marbles, whatever the case is. Then ask yourself tangible questions about your home. What kind of art do I have in my home? What kind of food will we make? Who will we have over for dinner? What kind of mm-hmm. church will we go to? If you mm-hmm. go to church, what kind of school will my child go to? And every time you answer that question, pick the, the related color marble and put it in the bottle. Okay. So for example, if the school will be white, you put a white marble in your bottle. Mm-hmm. If the friends that will be coming over for dinner will be white or black, you, you put the mm-hmm. related. That's a great example. Y'all get the point. And then once you're done answering these questions, ask yourself, what is the color of the child that I am adopting? A lot of times what happens is that you end up with a bottle that's packed with white marbles and a little black marble at the top. So you will be adopting a black child, immersing them into a very white world. Mm -hmm. And that can actually be traumatizing last thing that I'm going to say this, and I have to say this because I am a woman of color. I'm a black woman. I I see a lot of little beautiful black girls who've been adopted by white parents. And I can just look at their hair and I cringe because I'm like, I'm like this bless, bless your heart. This white mother has not taken the time to educate herself on how to take care of her her child's hair and this hair texture it could be coily it could be curly very beautiful hair but like it takes a process and so you have black girls who their hair is always braided or it just looks a hot mess and i'm like you need you have some very tangible work to do
3: mm. <laughs> yeah. See? yes oh these babies' hair oh these baby's right hairs.
2: I'm so like,
3: okay I'm I'm with you guys. So I I feel, I feel basically the same way about cross racial adoptions as I do about interracial marriage, mm. which basically is this: if you're not doing your own work and if you're not developing a culturally competent or critically conscious lens, then you shouldn't be doing it because you're mm-hmm. simply not ready. You're That's just not ready, right. you know, and, and you're not fit. Right And like you said, for God's yeah. sake, learn how to care for these child's skin and hair care needs, oh. and let the child develop their own identity. So listen, mm-hmm. Justin that, that marble analogy that you just gave, I mm-hmm. think was golden. That was a beautiful illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, if, if the child, for example, if the child's African, please don't raise these babies to be African-American. They're not. Instill in them a sense of cultural knowledge by celebrating it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Let the child decide their identity, and don't, for example, rob the child of their Sudanese ness or their Kenyan ness yeah. or their Ethiopian ness, and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, for example, if they have cousins and other siblings or other family members help the child cultivate those relationships until the kid can decide for themselves if they want to continue to pursue them,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know? I mean, I would say, so like, don't cut the kids off from, if, if it's cross-racial, don't cut the kids off from their ethnic or their cultural heritage. Yeah. Like that is so incredibly hard to the psyche of these kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's, there's, just to be disconnected from their people is a really tragic thing. And so, you know,
2: yeah, already, you know, and so mm-hmm.
3: like what music, what food, what holiday traditions, what values are in these cultures? You know, I feel like so much of the subconscious mindset of people get when they adopt is just unhealthy. And right. white Christian parents are the worst at that.
1: Mm
3: just they they are the literal worst because they have this missionary mindset when they are adopting a child.
2: Yeah, savior so, mentality, yeah.
3: Yes, and so there's that savior thing, there's that that euphemism of unreached people groups or taking the gospel to the nations and those kinds of things. Now, I know that these parents love these kids. I'm not minimizing that. But I really do have to say that you have to understand That the way that you're loving them could be paternalistic. You might want to check that. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: You know, it could be. It's it's a child. It's not your mission field. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: You know, and so, like, if you want to adopt, well, why not adopt American children if you're American?
1: Honestly, yeah.
3: These kids need loving homes too, and our adoption system is has you know already has bias against darker skinned kids and against older kids, and so. There are a lot of these kids that language because they don't have a forever home, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I can go on and on, but I'm, I mean, I think the bottom line is that love that that adoption should not be done out of or should be done out of love and not out of paternalism,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: so, one way to gauge whether your perspective as an adoptive parent is based in paternalism or supremacy or anything other than love and altruism is to pay attention to how you feel when your child acts out or wants to seek out their bio family, you know? So, and I mean, and the last thing I'll say about this, just as a, for instance, is if a child becomes a certain age and they act, you know, they act out, our response is something like, okay, well, how could you do this to me after all I've done for you?
1: Mm -hmm.
3: If that's your response, then your motives are not pure.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. You know, there was at least in part of you that went into the adoption with the expectation of some sort of payback from the kid as gratitude for having helped them in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if and likely when they start asking questions, and want to seek out their birth parents and you feel some kind of way about that. Check yourself there too.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I try to see this from the child's perspective and not yours. It's not about you. You know, it's, it's, the child is seeking out not because they don't love you, but because we're incomplete without knowing who we are, where we come from, Right. you know, and that like, there's a, there's a big bio family sized hole in these kids' hearts that need answers and they need closure. So these kiddos might need to know why a mom or dad didn't, or gave them up for adoption. They might, they might want to know their other siblings. They might want to know who their aunts and uncles are and so forth. And so there's a whole lot to that but but you really really need to do the work before before you decide to adopt transracially because you'll do a whole lot of damage to these kids if you don't
2: for sure yeah you know and abdul based on what you just described evidently transracial adoption is a lot of work you know like it's a huge investment And I would assume that if you are going to adopt from another continent, there's a lot of money involved. Mm -hmm. And I would just think like the wise thing, if you're going to make such a tremendous investment, be ready for it. Be intentional about it, right? If I wanted to start a business or to buy a home or to move to a different country, like I would be diligent in doing the work to be ready for what that commitment entails. And so, yeah, for those of you that are desiring to adopt cross-racially. Cross I think you need, you need to do the work.
3: Right. Well, that does it for us for now. As always, if you like the show and the content, if you're encouraged or challenged by it, please like, subscribe, share, and drop us a review. And don't be afraid to do all three. That'll help folks find us and hopefully join the community because we can always use more soldiers. Also, if you have questions about anything we cover on the show, if you have topics you want to discuss, or you just want to reach out, become a member of our community on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian soldier, or email us at hello at christian soldier.com. So thanks again for listening. I'm Abdullah. i Andres.
2: And I'm Justine.
3: And until next time, y'all keep the faith. Peace. Paz
2: amani the christian soldier podcast is brought to you by the christian soldier collective a jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity cultural and ethnic conciliation and social justice within the church team song is the ace by ballpoint the christian soldier podcast is a production of the christian soldier collective and monarch training and development